Howdy, strangers. Al Mirabella here, the host of Howdy, strangers, the only podcast comprised mostly of, uh, you know, phrases from candy hearts. It's Valentine's Day today. If you listen to this when the podcast comes out, which if you do, congratulations. If you don't, that's cool. I get it. You're like a fake fan or whatever. No problem. Look, everybody appreciates the show differently, but I just want you to think about how many hours every week that I put into thinking about this podcast and how many minutes I put into actually producing it. Um, You know, not nearly as many. How long it takes me to send out cold emails to people that I basically don't really know very well. And do you know what the sense of rejection feels like when that happens? It actually doesn't feel like anything. But if, if, if you like, if emails had read receipts, I would feel very bad about the number of emails that I send. Cause most of the time I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, that guy probably just didn't, uh, he probably just didn't get my email. It probably just like, he probably gets like a thousand emails a day. Little do I know that he has read my email, laughed at it, shared it with his friends, sent receipts of it to his manager, letting him know not to, not to let any of their, their clients or clientele come onto this dumb podcast where I teach a sentient AI to, you know, I'm going to say love. Oh, speaking of, uh, you know, our sentient AI, I'm sorry to say that there wasn't an episode that came out last week. I, you know, here's what happened is I had two separate interviews booked. And when I went to go record, all of a sudden I got complete radio silence on both ends and my computer randomly shut down twice, two different times. This has happened to me. And, uh, so I figured, I guess that was like a sign that it was time for a self care week. Um, but whenever I logged in to uh, to Pinecast, shout out to our friends at Pinecast who host this show. Love, love the lovely, lovely folks at Pinecast. But I noticed there was an episode uploaded and I didn't upload the episode and I tried to listen to it. But every time I turned it on, it was just static and I can't hear any of it. So maybe someone else can hear whatever the episode was that came out last week. I can't. I have no idea what happened. So, you know, I'm just going to pretend as if it didn't happen. Um and that's what I would advise everyone else should do too. And I don't know why I think that, but after I listened to that static, I just had this weird feeling like everything was going to be all right and that this was not my business. So, you know, I guess that's that's how I feel about it. And speaking of things that are not my business, I would like to welcome on the show my good personal friend and the daughter of my mom's coworker, Sarah Morrison. Sarah, how are you doing? Hi, that's a great introduction. I'm doing very well. Thank you. What are you up to? Um, besides suffering through the COVID pandemic, not personally, but um, as a bystander, um, I've been a very big, I've been involved in COVID-19 testing. And that's been my job for a while. I took part of the COVID economy a little bit and that's what i've been up to i've been recording an album which is way more exciting than picking boogers all day um and that's been keeping me going through these very very cold depressing months not okay so you are you're covid testing things for specifically people i'm assuming not like dogs i heard that dogs can get it but you're testing people i'm testing Yes. It, How do you I, like it? You've never you've never worked in the healthcare field before, have you? No, I have not. It, it is mm. weird. I I do like kind of role playing as someone who knows a lot about the human body because I'll get a lot of questions about surgeries because I work at a surgical center and people trust me inherently because I'm wearing like all the things that indicate that a person is trustworthy, which is scary because I don't think you should automatically trust someone in a surgical gown, but you do kind of, or I, I would, I'm like completely mm-hmm. deferential to everyone in uniform. So it's like a power thing. <laughs> um, but it's also, yeah, it's cool to, um, to do, to be a part of a once in a lifetime, um, health crisis as, as hopefully someone. once in a lifetime. We can't, yeah, Fingers crossed. I hope. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's been cool. Um, music's been cool. I adopted two dogs over this 
uh, I don't know, past year. You could call it quarantine. You could call it lockdown. I kind of struggle. I don't think that until after the fact, we will not really have a, a solidified vernacular. My mom keeps calling it the COVID. And yeah. I'm like, well, I guess that's not wrong. But it seems like, why are we adding the to it? Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. I, I don't really know what to call this this blank period of time. I think that it will take a lot of processing afterwards to mm. sort of understand everything that what are these, this has done to us. What are these two dogs named? Bessie. Um, oh. Bessica. Jessica. <laughs> um, I watched all the Star Wars movies recently because I got my second COVID shot and we call her Wait, Bessie three PO? Uh which is not good at all, but I like No, I, I like it. It's not good, but I do like it. It's really bad, yeah. And the other one's name is Dot, which uh she's got Aww. a mouse on her face. So that's what it. kinda what kind of dogs are these? Um, Bessie is she's laying right here and being good for the first time all day. She's so good. She's a hound sort of mixed like a foxhound german shepherd i think and the other one as a good kind of dog yeah she's a good dog and then the other one has i don't know what she is she's white with spots on her face just like i appreciate that cheatingly cute dogs would you call would you call would you call dot a mutt she's a mutt yeah total Mm. bona fide mutt love a mutt i like a dog that just looks like dog yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, damn, that is unmistakably an animal. Right. Yeah. Love that. Like a stock photo dog. Because stock photo dogs, you know, like I, I could sort of pass on a golden retriever. What about you? Like, I don't like dogs that look like kind of normal dogs. I like mutts. I'm yeah, I'm kind of with you. And the dog breeds that I like are ugly dogs. Like, I very specifically like a dog that is not. A super good looking dog. Like, I think Chihuahuas are adorable. I really do. But they're my they're my favorite kind of dog. And I know that's a very unpopular opinion. But the like weirder they look, the better. Like the more their eyes look like they're like crossbred with a dragonfly, the more into them I am. Yeah, for sure. I love the kinds. Of, I feel like we could just talk about dogs for an hour. <laughs> I intend to. We can we can talk about whatever you want for an hour, Sarah. That's the format of this show. This is great. Yeah. I mean, besides, yeah, besides dogs, I want to know what's going on with you. I don't know if this is part of the format, but I do want to catch up on what's going on in your life. What What do your listeners wow. not know about what's been no going one, on? No one ever asks me what I'm doing, Sarah. That's not true. <laughs> well, no one on the show ever asks me what, what I'm doing. They. Oh. They, they, they think that I bring them on the show to have like NPR style interviews, but really I'm just like waiting for somebody to ask me like how my day is going. Oh. I love this. Let's switch yeah. it around. Well, yeah. Welcome to Howdy Strangers hosted by Sarah Morrison, where she interviews me, Al Mirabella, the guy who normally hosts the show. I appreciate Hi, it. Thanks for being on the show, Al. Um, oh. Let's see. What have I been up to? I, man, I have spent some time during lockdown with my family. And sometime I have been working, but I have not been working as much as I normally work. Regular listeners of the show know that I am a freelance worker in the Atlanta film industry. Um, and, you know, that's something that I end up doing for like four months at a time. And then I take like two months off normally, something like that, because the hours are pretty intense. Mm-hmm. But I'm actually starting a show uh, in a couple of weeks here that's going to be pretty exciting. Um I, I can't talk too much about the show, but I can say that I'm working with a group of lovely people who I actually really enjoy and I'm really excited about it because the last couple of shows I've worked on have not been, uh, they've been jobs that paid the bills and there's nothing wrong with taking a gig that pays the bills, For sure. but hopefully after the fact, I'll get to talk a little bit more about it. Yeah. I'd love to hear about it. Um, my mom told me that you told her, I don't know if this is classified information, did you spill the beans to my mom that was rude? <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny that is a little rude. I did. But I'm not denying it. I read that somewhere too. That mm. confirmed. So I, I could have just heard that like in through the grapevine of 
the internet. Your mom's your mom's a big fan. Huge. Yes. Yeah. Is it would you can is do you think it's her favorite TV show? That's a good question. I don't know. We watch a lot. I think we have a lot of shows that we watch together, and a lot of shows that um, remind me of my mom that we'll watch when we're at home together. Is up there. Um, mm. I my, know you guys love Twin Peaks. Yeah, I was just about to say Twin Peaks. There was a period of time um, through college where I would come home and like we would rewatch like all of Twin Peaks together. And I don't know if I was, if, if my mom was as into it as I was, but it was new to me. And she was like, Oh yeah, I used to watch this in the nineties. I'm like, mom, you're so cool. (laughs) Damn mom. Um, so yeah, I love, I love that my mom watches Twin Peaks and is Mm. like secretly a lynch head. Uh, You know, you're, your mom does not like it. It is always surprising that your mom likes Twin Peaks, but I do think that she does really like Twin Peaks. I don't think she's humoring you. She and I have had conversations about Twin Peaks. Yeah. Who do you think um, she identifies with as a character? I love that no one really knows who my mom is and (laughs) she's the main. Hey everybody. Welcome to the Beth Morrison fan cast. (laughs) This the show where we spend every week talking about my mom's coworker, Beth. (laughs) <laughs> my mom deserved the podcast she could talk about so many things you should get can i say oh should i have your mom on the show yeah. do you think she would come on do you think that she could figure out the relatively simple setup of zincaster mm, probably oh she's well you know sad. no no go on go on she's gotten pretty tech savvy i mean she she FaceTimes me. She knows how to do that, which is new. Um, oh well. And yeah, so I think I think she could figure this out. So next time you can bring Beth on, and maybe she'll be more um, interesting guest. I would say that my my mom does not. Uh, she is my mom is like the perfect amount of tech literate. I absolutely love it. She will not be embarrassing on the internet but cannot pry too deeply into my personal life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, not that there's anything that I'm keeping from my mom, but at the same time, I know people whose moms are like, you know, follow them on Twitter. And it's like, oh, no. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that can be very weird. That is a mom-free zone. <laughs> For sure. Yes. Mom-free. I don't have a Twitter. It really, like, the idea of it really stresses me out. Um but I commend anyone who can like do it and like feel like a, a human afterwards. Every time I look at it, I just, I just can't, it's like the, the thing, like the amount of content on there is, is overwhelming to me and just like how people can sort of build identities via like a, a f- sort of fake platform that like, is the fastest moving of all of them. It's very overwhelming. And if my mom could see me like shape-shifting on the internet on that platform, I would not like it either. I feel like she doesn't know. What? Are are you active on the internet? Are you like a person who spends time on social media? Um, yes and no. I, I feel sort of like a voyeur a little bit. Like I will look at Instagram probably more than I'll do anything else on my phone, which is very sad. But I I consider Instagram to be lawful neutral, which I think is the the most neutral that a social media platform can be. Now, I'm not saying the people who run Instagram are lawful neutral because I understand that they're owned by Facebook, but like the tone of Instagram is not like openly mean, <laughs> like the tone of other social media platforms. Yeah. Yeah. There, there mm. doesn't seem to be as much sass. I don't think there's as much opportunity for sass. Like with Twitter, it's so easy for you to like clap back or something. I don't know. It just, it feels like everyone, I don't know, is under the gun a little bit. Like it just feels like people are ready to 
attack you if you say something wrong. I don't know. Not that I No, you're absolutely correct. Like that is that is what Twitter is for. Twitter is like where people just go to be aggro at one another. It's like going to like a sparring gym. It's like they everyone understands they're going to be fighting when they get there, even if they're friends. That's really a good metaphor. Yeah. That's kind of how it feels. Not that I'm involved, but it I don't know. What do you get out of out of it? I mean, do you do you engage in anything? Like Oh yeah, I'm very on Twitter. Um I'm very on Twitter, uh, not compared to what other people are. Like a lot of people spend a lot of time on Twitter. I don't spend very much time on social media at all. I spend the most time on social media posting. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I spend the most time p- for pleasure. I spend time looking at Instagram, but for like business, I look at Twitter because there is a Twitter profile for Howdy Strangers, which is also my personal Twitter profile. Mm-hmm. And so I do engage with other content creators and fans of the show and just people who I would like to eventually maybe have on the show. I try and like jive with. And I do think that there is a lot of good stuff that comes out of Twitter. Um, I think that people are often quick to judge a social media platform. No, I'm not saying you're doing this because I totally agree. Twitter's toxic. Nobody should be there, but people are like sometimes quick to judge a social media platform because of what they see in their feed. But the way that I use Twitter is like uh, you've get you got like three chances to say some dumb shit and you can say anything that you want those three times. That's absolutely fine. Um, the first tweet I can agree with, but you can be really aggressive. And the second tweet can be something that I totally disagree with. And the third tweet can be some like bullshit accelerationist like like thirst thirsting for like engagement and tweets and likes and interaction trying to get ratioed or whatever. And the third time you do something, I'm just going to mute you. I'll still follow you. I'm not, I'm an adult. I'm not going to unfollow somebody, but that's just not what I want my feed to look like. I'm a, I'm a relatively positive person. Um, but I like teeter on the edge of genuine insanity. So I, I can't like, I can't be in a bullshit negative place all the time. Yeah. Definitely. I think that people should definitely take more advantage of, of the mute button um, function. And it's funny that you say that you're an adult about it because it just seems like so many like friendships actually crumble over some of these things that are uh, like posted on, um, you know, Twitter or like a whole breakup will happen and part of that breakup is, um, you know, dumping some, like removing someone very openly on, um, social media or like, you know, unfriending. It's dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. Just mute them. I, I can't think of like, cause the thing is, is, is I don't, I don't want people I cuz I think that the more you un, you like unfollow or unfriend somebody the more likely you are to like create an echo chamber. And I don't want to have an echo chamber because I have a lot of people on my Facebook page and my Twitter page and my Instagram page uh that I like I don't agree with. Like I know a lot of folks like there's a lot of this is going to sound like some centrist bullshit logic but just listen to me for a second. I think that like a lot of people don't see where other folks are coming from because the moment they see something they disagree with, they're just like, nope, this can't be in my world or whatever. Especially right now when you don't get to meet anybody in person because people are not like that in real life. People are relatively pleasant to one another in real life. Mm -hmm. But when they just see like an icon of like a guy holding a fish or whatever, they decide that that's somebody they can be aggressive to or look down upon. And the guy with the, the, with the fish sees like a, like a, a person with like a, like a, like lavender hair and thinks that they can get really upset at that person or whatever, because they just are they're from different worlds or whatever. But like, if you met that person in real life, you might just like find them to be relatively pleasant. Right now. I won't stand for somebody like openly sharing misinformation on the internet. I will be like, Hey, uh, that's not good info. Here's like a reason why that's not good info. Mm. Uh, you know why it's pushing a particular narrative. And if that person wants to argue with me or whatever, it's like, that's, that's cool. I'm not going to engage that. Like I just, I don't have the energy for it. And, and there are people, and I'm not saying I'm better than anybody for not engaging with it. There are people who do engage with it and probably in some rare cases make like 
take like make significant ground in like the war against misinformation, but I'm not that eloquent. I'm just an idiot on the internet. Like I'm not, I'm not sitting here. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell anybody that I'm more right than them. Uh, But I will like, you know, maybe point them in the direction of like, Hey, maybe like you could use this resource to try and understand like why that news source that you're looking at, like Mm -hmm. maybe why you would just maybe also want to look at another news source as well before you share it. Right. Yeah. I I feel the same way for sure. I I don't feel qualified enough to spout my opinions on (laughs) Facebook or even as, as much as I have wanted to in the past, but like, it just doesn't seem like the right place. Like, I don't know. Like if you are able to have a conversation like the one you described where you're sort of just pointing people in the direction of certain content that might be helpful for them to like know what you know is actually going on, you know, there's so much misinformation, but that's that's a good example, but I I only see I mostly see just kind of chaos. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, you're taking, it's a lot of responsibility to, to try to like post something on the internet that will be there for a, a long time. Like I think people are just so flippant about what they decide to get into, like fight wise with other people. And it's just, I don't know, so much unnecessary vitriol happening on the internet. That's why we, oh wait, we are making it a podcast. That's, that's a good thing. Yeah, your, your opinions will be broadcast to my tens of listeners. <laughs> tens of listeners, Sarah. <laughs> Come at me for being too neutral, <laughs> for wanting to make friends with everyone. I think that's People, a, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna. Oh, is that how this is going to work? I think it's, um, I usually hate talking. This is the first time I've been like nervous to do anything in like 12 months, which is kind of an exhilarating feeling. Like I haven't performed or done anything like, you know, that was going to be recorded in any way. So that's cool. Um, But I don't know what I was saying. I just think that it's, kind of like what you said, like, um, just unpopular to want to, um, engage with the, the guy who's holding a fish in his profile picture. It's like kind of, I don't know. I feel like the, the qualifications or like you can get disqualified for something as on both sides for, for something as, as dumb as what your profile picture looks like. And I feel like both of us being from the South, like everyone, fishes you know yeah like i i i i like to fish but i have never ever caught a fish and been like someone get the camera i gotta post this to zuck i gotta show my boy zuck (laughs) really though yeah i i haven't um i don't think i've ever fished in my ever wow were your parents like hunting people no, we were not hunting people, but we did occasionally go fishing. That's cool. That's more of like, I don't know. It's such a... There's Southern culture, and then I think that there is a particularly Florida culture. Not to say that there are not people in every state that fish in like lakes and rivers, but there is something that is very Floridian about like going down to like Three Mile Bridge, mm-hmm. casting off your, your reel and just like cracking a a miller light and just chilling for a little bit and maybe you catch something and maybe you don't but either way you're probably gonna get a good tan yeah god that's yeah i don't know if anyone else would find that scene um pleasurable but just you describing it to me like mellowed me out a little bit even though i've never fished i just look at the people you know on that bridge and think wow they're having such a nice time with their little cooler their Miller Light. I think Miller Light was the first beer I ever had. Oh wow! My dad loves Miller Light. Says, "Can you can you tell me about the first time you had a beer?" Um, it's a good question. I I definitely tasted beer when I was little, and I think I must have um, 
taken a beer from the fridge when I was like 16 and just had it. So that was kind of not um, a monumental moment because it was probably just me and my brother kind of being like, beer. Um, what about you? <laughs> so oh, wow. Such a lame story. Yeah. No, I actually, I will, we can get to mine, but I have a couple more questions about yours. First off, did you guys drink the full beer? Yeah, probably. I mean. Did you like it? I don't want to incriminate anyone. Um, I did like. This is probably not the first time Will Morrison has ever been incriminated for something. Oh, you're 100% correct. Um, Yeah. Did I like the taste? I don't think I disliked it. I think it was like oh, wow. refreshing. And since then, I think I've been all over the map as far as my beer taste. I've come back to appreciating the cheaper beers. I just, I can't mm. do like a heavier, I can't do, isn't that the shittiest way to say? It? I'm going to do the IPA. I'm going to do the raspberry. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, I, I like, I like cheap cheaper beers now lighter oh dude you're a preacher to the choir right here yeah i will say that the first time i first beer i remember i had uh natural ice um with my friend jesse wick and his stepdad who bought us a case of beer to drink together when i was 14 years old um and i remember drinking like half of one of i literally took like the first sip and i was like wow people talk about how bad this tastes but they really were underselling it (laughs) And then I like, I could, I would go on to get drunk off like four beers. And I remember being like, wow, by the time you get to the fourth one, you really don't mind how it tastes, which is kind of still how I feel when I'm drinking a beer that I don't like very much. Right. But uh, you're preaching to the choir. I'm a cheap beer dude. I've never not been a cheap beer dude. Like I would, we may have cheap beer taste for the same reasons when you were, um, when you were in the DIY music community. Uh, And you're on the road and you're like going and playing shows and places you don't know. And you like, maybe you're going to make $60 that night. You're like, dude, I can't, I can't spend $20 on fancy beers here. Like I will get, take whatever someone's going to buy for me, whether it's a PBR or a Miller light or like a Coors light, I will drink whatever those things are. And now I don't really play live music, but I still absolutely love a cheap beer. My top beer is probably Miller, Miller high life. Mm-hmm. Uh, followed probably pretty closely by like Bush Light. I really, I uh, know, standard Bush Heavy, <laughs> then Budweiser, then Bush Light. This is amazing. Wow. I, yeah, there was like a summer of Bud. <laughs> like, turned me on to Bud Heavy for a while. I think just my brother, who like aspires to do all the things that like 40 year old Floridian men do, which is just like hang out and drink Bud Heavy. Um, there was just, you know, he, we did that a lot <laughs> in one summer. Um, I don't mean that as a bad thing. I mean, just like, no, no, no. He's a lovely man. Like shine on you crazy diamond. He, he shines crazily. Um, yeah, but, um, I, I definitely do miss playing shows. I think that the ambiance of a house show really amplified the taste of a PBR um, now mm. it doesn't really have the same sparkle. Um, but yeah, I miss, I miss house shows. There was a period of, I mean, it's like, so, so, so much of a privilege to even be graced with one can of beer at a show. Like, Oh my God, thank you. We're all poor. So that's nice. Do you, uh, do you still live in Tallahassee? I do live in Tallahassee. Tallahassee, I would say, out of all of the cities in Florida, Tallahassee, as someone who's played many, many shows in every major city in Florida, Tallahassee is the is the city that is the most gracious with their free alcohol. You can like, I feel like you cross into Tallahassee and you like pull through like a toll plaza and you put in like a dollar twenty five so that you can keep going down I ten and someone just like hands you a Michelob Ultra, yeah. you know. Like, stick like your that is a <laughs> that's really g- uh, great. I think that's a great 
part of Tallahassee. I, I don't really, I mean, I guess this is the place where I've played the most shows. Um, and then out of town, all of my out of town solo shows have been kind of weird in one way or another. Um, mm. Definitely not as um, welcoming, I guess. I don't know. I've, Tallahassee has a thriving DIY community. Yeah, we do. I, I don't know what's going on anymore um, here, but when I departed or when the whole world departed from social things, um, it, was, it was hopping. It was hopping. Um, one of the places that I used to play at, though, kind of went under. There are all these like little venues that keep, I think it's just the same in all DIY towns and scenes, but it's like they keep dying and being reborn. These these little venues. Um, what's the Pensacola scene like these days? Oh dude, I don't know. I haven't played a show or been to a show in over two years, probably like three years at this point. Mm -hmm. I'm not, uh, I'm a man who loves music, but I had my moment in the sun playing music. Now I'm like a guy who like, when I do go to a bar, I'll get to be like, well, back, let me tell you, let me tell you about Odaiba. Used to be in a barber shop, okay? That is, uh, now, now, now all these kids are playing at their rodeo rock. I don't know. I never heard of it or whatever. Just naming various places in Pensacola, Florida. Rodeo. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, do you know rodeo rock? Are you familiar? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I don't. Have you played at Rodeo Rock? Is this a real place? I can't tell. Oh, no, dude. Rodeo Rock is a real venue. Uh, and I want you to think about what you think that that sounds like. Well, it's... Sa- P- picture it in your mind's eye, okay? Don't say it. Just picture it. Tell me when you got it. I really want to... I, I can see like a... Maybe like a dive bar and the sign outside is like a neon guitar that says Rodeo Rock. Is this? You're not too far off. Whatever you think it is, is what it is. It's like a, it looks like a place that Buck Cherry could play at, you know? Oh, cool. I got got no problem with it. And I love that they're having DIY shows there. I don't like that they're currently having several DIY shows in the, uh, in the throes of the COVID-19 pandemic. And neither does former guest of the show, Nathan Morona, who uh, likes to get really upset in our group chat about it happening. I think that's called for. That's crazy. I, I didn't realize that there were still shows happening. I understand the total overpowering desire to get back into it, but not not yet, girlfriend. I I agree. I agree. I'm spending a lot of time at home. You know how like at the beginning of like a uh, lockdown and people were like, oh, I'm so productive. I'm making like bread or whatever. Um <laughs> I am like, I have moved past the productive part of quarantine. The only productive thing I do is this podcast. And when I'm not here, I just cry and listen to Bowling for Soup. Like, it's just, that's that's where I am mentally. <laughs> I, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I am glad to be going through it because, you know, how, how often do you get a chance to live through a once in a hundred years uh, pandemic? And just think that mental math out loud. No, uh, the listeners do not have to say it, but they understand. Um, but you know, like I am, I'm pretty ready for it to be over. I was thinking that recently about how, like when, when inevitably, like as there are movies that get made about like nine 11, like whenever they start making movies about the pandemic after the pandemic, like obviously they're tasteless movies being made about the pandemic right now, but in like 2029, when I see like a an A twenty four logo before like uh, a a like a touching heartfelt story about like uh, you know loss and grief in the age of the pandemic, I'm just gonna be like, I don't need to fucking watch that. I lived it. Unnecessary. Not something I'm interested in. Yeah, definitely. I I can't. Yeah, I know that that's on its way, and I don't really trust anything that's been made during the pandemic, like, like movies and shows about the pandemic already. I feel like it's just too, too soon. I mean, do you feel that way? I I just feel like kind of, we don't know. I don't know. 
or like it was too fast to like make something good. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Oh yeah. So no, I agree. I uh, I work in the entertainment industry, and every day I go into work, I think that it's so fucking stupid that I have to go into work right now. And I'm not saying like I'm I'm thankful to have a job. You know what I mean? Like I'm glad to be working, but at the same time, it's like this is not essential. Are you stupid? We don't need to be here. Like this is like a job that you have to have like 300 people to do. It's not like a thing that can really be done small. I mean, you can make like a small indie feature, but like. Netflix isn't making a movie with a with a cast and crew put together of like 18 people. They're making huge tentpole movies that have 400 people on their payroll or whatever. And like, it just makes me feel stupid because I'm like, I'm just making it worse by going into work every day. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it happens. It happens. I guess it's going to happen whether I'm there or not. So I may as well be making my day rate while it's happening. That is a good point. Yeah, I'm sorry that would be very frustrating to, to have to go through. And there's just enough stuff. There's enough on Netflix. Like I would just love for, I don't know, movies now being made and, and promoted. Um, I, I wish that there were smaller movies now being promoted as, as much as a typical Netflix movie is being, is usually promoted. Like, like you were saying, like, I wish just like indie films would have their moment in the sun a little bit and and just to be able to take advantage of these conditions would be so great. And for you to have like a, I don't know, to leave your job feeling like you did something important and meaningful would be cool. We got to make that bread. (laughs) You're you're a sweet lady, Sarah Morrison. I, I, I like, I like that you're concerned about how I feel when I go to work. Well, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. Everyone should, or it would be great if everyone had a meaningful job. And I think that's Mm. the goal, usually. For good people. Hey, Hey, Sarah. Yeah, hey. I'm going to run to the bathroom really quick. I have to go. I've been drinking a lot of Coke Zero today, but I'm just going to leave it running so that I can edit really easy. All right. Hi, Sarah Morrison. Hey, what's up? Hold on. Wait. Uh, there we go. Does a burp. That was good. You should keep that. Oh, I will. Just because you said that, I will keep all of that in. Uh, not the silence. That would be wild. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, there's an Easter egg for those who uh, listen through the silence. It's just a little bit of AHA's take on me. Oh, my God. <laughs> mm. Hey, can I pivot? Can we talk about something different? Please. Okay. I have three things that I want to talk to you about. And I've got these like vaccine chills going on right now. I got my, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show yet. I know we talked about it beforehand, but I got my second dose of the vaccine today. And I'm really glad that I got it. But I feel really nasty. (laughs) Like, and I just got up to go to the bathroom and all of a sudden it hit me. I was like, dude, you feel like fucking, you feel like shit right now. Absolutely. Yeah. But hey, if I was going to be doing a podcast through feeling kind of sick, there's no one I'd rather do it with than you, Sarah Morrison. Nice. Thank you. I hope you feel better. I Thank you. have anything to do tomorrow. <laughs> um, here's, my, here's my pivot. You ready? Yeah. Valentine's Day is soon. Let's talk about love. Okay. Can I have an intimate discussion with you about love right now? Yeah. Okay, before I do, I want to say this. Sarah, I mean this as deeply as a person can feel from the bottom of their heart. I love you. Oh, my God. That moved me. (laughs) (laughs) That's so sweet. I love you, Al. That was so sweet. Let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about love. I, I feel like people need to let people know that they love them more often. You know, and love does not have to be romantic. Love can be platonic. I think there are, I think the Greeks said there were like six different kinds of loves. Like there's like love for one's country is considered love. I don't know. I've never met her. Uh, but, you know, like I feel like the the thing that links us all together is a, is a deep sense of love. If not for yourself, people like love Love is the the arrow, the the sail that keeps us going, and 
and pushes us in in whatever direction we we let it lead us down. So I want to ask you, have you ever been in love? I have been in love in all six varieties, I think. Probably not the one for the country all the way. Um, mm-hmm. It's more of, a, of a, an affair. Um, but if I hear proud to be an American, I do tear up a little bit. I don't even, I don't even love America, but I like that one song. I'm like, mm, damn. You love the song. You love the concept. Um, I have been in love. I am in love at the moment with my partner. Uh, his name is Ross. Um, oh, wow. I, we, yeah. Where do I begin? Um, Can I ask, do you remember the first person you ever fell in love with? Yes, I do. I do. It was in high school. Um, I was 15. Actually, I don't know if it was really, I think that time it might've been love. I don't know. We, I was definitely head over heels for like an extended period of time that, that deepened into something that, that resembles what I understand to be true love now. So I think it was my Mm -hmm. first kind of foray into the concept of like unconditional pure like love for someone that didn't waver um only you know of course circumstances changed is the most vague way i could put that but like yeah i think i still have a sense of um i don't know if i could call it love but like a definite appreciation for that time of my life and and um, you know, all the- do you feel like that, that? Do you feel like that that love informed the love that you're in now in any way? Like, I think that those first relationships that we have when we're really young can like really shape and affect the way that we like give and show emotion and affection, and the way that we like perceive love in and of itself. So, I definitely know some early relationships I've been in, mm-hmm. like definitely like affect even like now, like the way that I feel about my partner. And sometimes it's in a really positive way. And sometimes it's in a less positive way. But like, I do appreciate all of those people that I've been with that I've, that I felt some form of love, one of those forms of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that at least for me personally, uh, I, I see those people in, in, in my contemporary relationships as well. Do you ever see those, those other folks in Ross in either positive or maybe less than positive ways? It's a good question. Um, well, there. I mean, I definitely learned a lot dating the you know, few the few people I was in serious relationships with beforehand. I, I learned a lot about um, what love was not, <laughs> essentially, like the things that I did not want in a relationship. I've, of course, I have like, which is dumb, but I think everyone, to a certain extent, has a type of person that they are attracted to. And I think like there's some commonalities between my current um, partner and like the people I've dated, um, you know, just like basic. And I, I like people who read a lot and who are nice. Um, but yeah, I think good I, qualities, good qualities. Um, basic. That's like better than people who like do heroin and are assholes. Yeah. And I've definitely, um, <laughs> I didn't dip my toe all the way in, in, in that sort of thing. Um, but you know, there are people who do heroin on our assholes who have, you know, who read books and are nice. So it's hard to know, like, I don't know when you're younger, I think you just sort of glom onto you or you can pick, I don't know. I, I think I dated people naively, not really understanding like the content of their character totally and sort of latched onto the really good things that I thought were, they had going on. Um, mm. But I think people like getting sort of mistreated and coming to terms with like the weird things that happened to me in my relationships and what I decided to ignore. Um, like, I don't know, aging has really um, aging, getting older um, has helped me understand what I needed to like, actually expect out of a a serious partner i don't know 
So I'm learning. Yeah, a lot. I there are a lot of like very surface level uh, traits that that when I was younger I would like see and I'd be like, that's it. That's the person I want to be with. And there is still a huge part of me that like meets people with those same surface level traits. And I'm like immediately like magnetically attracted to those people. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, those people who have, I would say people in general have very strong personalities a lot of the time, more often than not, but this is not, this is definitely not a law. This is more of like a trend that I notice. Those people uh, tend to have some things going on in their life, some demons that I'm, I'm not personally prepared to handle. And so as I've gotten older, I've kind of learned, like I have mellowed out and I have learned that like the people that I should be in relationships with, like my relationships have become a lot more mellow. Mm -hmm. And I used to think like, well, I'll never have like a really passionate relationship like that again. But as I get older, I realize that like, I don't want like the passion that you have, like the first three times that you see somebody. Um, I mean, I do, don't get me wrong. And I'm I'm not going to turn it down ever, but like, I understand that there is something so much more important than that, that like you don't really understand from somebody until you've been with them a while. And a lot of the time, like at least for me personally, those people who I really end up having like fulfilling and satisfying relationships with some of whom I'm still friends with today are, uh, you know, are folks who like were kind of slow burns. And I think that for some folks, I too am a slow burn. <laughs> some people some people glom onto me immediately as well. But like, you know, that's a whole different story. But like I have now I've come to appreciate somebody like who do you know Paul Baraboo? Do you are you familiar with his music? No. Oh, he's really good. I think that you'd enjoy him. Um he's a DIY songwriter based out of uh um Grand Ledge, Michigan. Um but he released a bunch of music on Planet X. He was like really active in the uh Bloomington folk punk scene and toured all around the country and stuff. But he has this really beautiful song called uh, Strawberry. And uh, in the song, he talks about how, like, well, I'll just give an example of a lyric where he says, to say that a strawberry is sweet, uh, you know, is like a facade, like that a strawberry is complex. It has flavors that are sharp and tart and sweet and neat. Like, it's it's more than just that, like, sweetness that you see. And... I feel like the the more complex folks I meet, those are the people I end up like in the long term falling for. You know, like some people are like a poem that I can read one time. It's like a haiku and I can understand the entirety of the haiku. Um, but other folks are like multiple layers of something that I want to see over and over again, which can also be a haiku and often is. But like, you know, like like a sculpture or like a where's Waldo where I'm like, there's just so much shit to see here so much to unpack. And I get really excited about unpacking that. And that tends to be when I fall really hard for somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, that's the, the love drug. I I'm definitely involved. It, uh, have been, I gravitate towards people who have that thing too, that complicated thing um and have definitely gotten hurt by the most kind of like fucked up people like i'm just (laughs) you'll never emotionally unavailable soft boys is that Uh, is that fair yes yes 100 percent. yeah um Mm. or just people who i like you know the the where's waldo is just like completely indecipherable so i can sort of like make up what's actually going on like i think that um you're like attracted to a jackson pollock is what you're telling me yes um but of course those things never work out but i definitely agree with you that uh, i'm attracted to people who i don't immediately understand necessarily or like you know but there's still something about them that makes me want to unfurl them or like you know build something with them and um you know but yeah i i I like stability i've realized i am i am too old al for like how old old are you sarah morrison i am 12 um yet i'm gonna have to call the police on ross it seems (laughs) committing so many crimes um i'm 25 
And yeah, now I, I feel like maybe there was some sort of shift in my brain or just like I've been fin- finally loved in the right way. But yeah, I just don't really need the the pain that comes along with like trying to understand someone who kind of like is unwilling to um, do the same for you, I guess. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like those people aren't the most reciprocal in their care. And that's just been my experience. But like the people who have been the most kind of like complicated, like I've let... I've let them sort of be the star in the relationship. So I've just, you know, I don't know, didn't ask as much from them because I assumed that they were so like, you know, involved in their own beautiful mind that they didn't have time for me and which, you know, they didn't have time for me, but that was fine. They can go do their own thing. And I found someone who loves me most and who treats me in all the right ways. So I think that's an important overall sort of possible passion, you know, or not, you know, unhealthy passion. Well, I'm glad that it seems like you found somebody who uh, loves you in all the right ways, Sarah. That makes me very warm. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I hope, I don't know anything about your partner, but I'm sure she's doing a very good job. <laughs> I'm sure she's doing Oh, great. yeah. Yeah. My partner is named Beth. She is lovely. Uh, she is somebody I, I met her um, on the internet, which is how you meet people now. Yeah. But uh, we work in the same industry and are both from the Gulf Coast. So we have a lot of things to talk about. And I'm somebody who really cares about, you know, where I'm from and my home and my hometown. Like I'm very personally invested in that. And so you can probably hear my dog put it or my dad putting the dogs up behind me. But that's the terror that you go through when you record a podcast from your parents' house when you're not home. Um, anyway, but I, I, uh, you know, initially there were, you know, and it happens to everybody. There were these surface level connections, these things that were really not that important, like working the same kind of job and being from the same part of the country that I don't live in anymore. Um, and having those things allowed me to like foster a more intimate relationship and get to know her on a much more personal level and uh, have, has helped me to appreciate and understand like the things that really make her absolutely amazing. And I mean, she's totally amazing. I am absolutely, I bowled over by her like jaw on the floor, amazed at how kind and compassionate and lovely and beautiful and smart she is. So you know, but that's not what the listeners are here to talk about, <laughs> Sarah. That's what everyone wants to know. That's what I mm. want. I'm so happy. That makes me so happy. You totally mm. deserve someone who is all of those things to you. I, I appreciate that, Sarah. I'm going to pivot again. Are you ready? You ready for a pivot? Yeah, I'm ready. I think we talked enough about love for Valentine's Day, don't you? Never enough, but Okay. I know we're we're wrapping up because you have work in the morning. I'm like feverish <laughs> uh, and it's very, very late. But um, I do want to talk to you about this new album that you're recording for a couple of minutes. Is that cool? Yes, definitely. So can you can you tell me a little bit about it? Can you tell me about the the conception? Like how did how did this one start? Because you're very much a bedroom artist. I guess so. Yeah. Um, well, um this is so hard to talk about. I started writing this one basically during the production and recording of the last one, which was the first time I did anything in a studio, um, which was cool, but there were some definitely still some bedroom components, garage, basement, bathroom components to that record. Um, but this one was for the most part written, you know, during the quarantine stuff. Um, so yeah, it's a lot about, I feel like it's, it's a lot about, um, all that I just talked about, about love kind of just finding the right kind of love for you. Um, and all of the times that I was wrong about the things that could have, that I, assumed were like what love was. Um, 
so that that's a majority of the songs. Also, I just feel like these songs are a lot less whiny and maybe this was a product of age or the people I was hanging around and, you know, the, the types of feelings that were encouraged and, um, in my little circles, but I feel like I was just so, um, kind of solipsistic before or like not before, like my last record was very like kind of dark and gloomy and there was no hope. And I feel like now finally for many reasons, even in the worst time in our, his, you know, our lives, our history, our country, um, I've been a lot more hopeful and like level headed and, um, and be able to have a little bit more perspective and, um, I'm writing songs about things that aren't completely about me, which is cool. Um, yeah. So it just feels like I have, you know, songs about the world and songs that don't have to deal with like my kind of silly problems. I feel like I'm tackling better material, like for the, this day and age, I'm just trying to get mm-hmm. it. That's important. Cause this just feels like fucked up. Like, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to talk about, um, in a intelligent way, but, um, yeah, no, you're being very eloquent and I'm, I'm definitely getting a picture of what the album's going to sound like. And I'm really excited about it. Cause you are, you are one of the most talented songwriters that I know. And like, I remember the first time I like heard a song that you did, I was like, Sarah Morrison makes music. And I was like, just blown away, like at how good of a songwriter you are. And I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. I, I really think that like, I, I listen to a lot of your tunes. I do. Um, I got that, uh, got that boy scouts of America album saved dutifully to my Spotify. I love that album. I think it's really good. I think that like, uh, you know, you know, some of it is pretty sad. It's pretty sad. Even if sometimes the lyrical content, I don't even know if it's sad cause it's a little cryptic, but you just listen to it and you're like, this is some shit I want to cry to. It's a compliment. Thank Tell you. Tell me about that ham sandwich. I will cry. Oh God. That's- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess it is a little cryptic. I feel like I can't really write specifically. Like I feel like I have um, a degree in po- poetry and I kind of like tend to just be sort of mystery woman when it comes to lyrics. So thank you for, for crying over my ham lyric and thank you for all those sweet things you just said. I mean, I felt the same way when I listened to you. It was before I knew you, but everyone was like, oh, Mirabella makes music. And if you want to listen to, I don't know, my mom like told me that you made music and I don't know. I, I felt the same way and was very- Your mom obviously very deeply entrenched in the in the Northwest Florida DIY scene. You catch her at every vegan, <laughs> vegan uh, bar show chilling posted up in the back she's not is she singing along no she's just chilling miss beth morrison she's like that's pretty nice she's probably not going to buy a t-shirt but she will pick up the cassette she will you know? pick up i mean that's the great thing is <laughs> that she will show up she'll show up and she'll she'll go to the vegan bar she'll eat dia my mom has been to one show i have ever played and she was not a fan damn yeah that's i should okay my mom will show. She has never come to any of my shows. Either. She'll go to yours. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I will. One thing I want to just bring it back around for just a sec to say, like, do you think that, like, are you in the process of, of recording yet? Or are you just writing songs or is this going to be more of a bedroom album or is this going to be something you wait to take some tracks to a studio or what's the vibe? Um, well, I'm doing a lot of, well, I finished writing the album um, recently and it's pretty much done. And in terms of like how many songs it's there will be and in the order. And I know, uh, sort of the, the sonic palette that I want to be working with. And I think that again, like the last one, it's going to be a lot of studio stuff and bedroom stuff and experimental stuff. Um, so there are songs that I need to take to get recorded by a legit person who has nice stuff that I don't have. And then I'll do a lot of it at home, which is what I'm most comfortable with. Um, cause I do improvise a lot and make 
bleepy bloopy sounds and you know can't recreate those things in a live setting so i record a lot and we'll stick some stuff in places that you know will suit me at the, in the end so it is sort of um yeah it's going to be a mishmash like last time but hopefully it'll just like sound like a little bit more intentional or something i don't know well, I'm really excited to hear it. I think it's going to like, I mean, I get, I got excited when you released Boy Scouts of America. And I think the first song you released off that was Deluxe Army Knife. I might be wrong about that. You are right. And I heard that song and I was like, holy shit, this is going to be just a very good album. <laughs> just hearing the way that you've grown as a musician. Um, and you're just somebody that I, I admire and I, I look up to. And I'm glad you're my friend, Sarah. I'm glad you're my friend, Al. You're a great friend. And- Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, I have a, I do have a question for you. Can I, can I, can I play a song at the end of the show? Okay, sure. Do you have a preference? Um, no, I don't. Okay. (laughs) How about we do deluxe army knife just because I like that one. And that's a, that's one we've referenced. We can talk about. It's a jammer. Mm -hmm. Do it. Um, do you have anything that you would like to, to plug or promote Sarah? Um, Check out my tunes. My name is Sarah Mortison. That is all um, that you'll, you know, you need to look up. It's my name. That's it. Is it at, at Sarah-Morrison.bandcamp.com? I don't think it's a hyphen. I think it's just SarahMorrison.bandcamp.com. Um, mm. I'm also on Spotify, begrudgingly. I think I'm gonna figure out something, but for now, I'm on Spotify. Yes. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Sarah, and thank you for giving me your time, and I hope to have you back on the show soon, and I hope you and Ross have a really happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. I hope you and Beth have a very happy Valentine's Day as well. Thank you for having me. High Strangeness is an unfunny production. If you like the show, rate it, review it on iTunes, tell a friend about it. It's good. Hey, it's Valentine's Day for real right now. I'm finishing up the show. Just thinking about how lucky I am to get to put out this dumb show into the ether. Thank you to all of you guys. I hope that you have as lovely of a Valentine's Day as you all deserve. Uh, Here is Deluxe Army Night by Sarah Morrison. i